Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get in zone. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I think my battery's dead. With free battery testing and charging, we can help you get back on the road. So what if I need a new one? We have the right Duralast battery for you, only at AutoZone. And what about my old battery? We can recycle it right here at America's number one battery destination. Restrictions apply. This is the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Mike Persuda along with Matt Williamson. We're getting you ready for the Steelers and the Detroit Lions on Sunday at Heinz Field. We'll be here until 8 o'clock and we will be joined as always by Merrill Hodge. But Matt, uh, different kind of show tonight because uh, we have indeed been doing this each and every week of the season and I have studied the Steelers' opponents each and every week, and I have seen dynamic playmakers that concerned me. I've seen schemes that intrigue me. I've seen teams with a history of success that demand respect. And I'm looking at what's coming to Heinz Field on Sunday, and I'm seeing Jared Goff 0-8 and rebuilding since 1957. It sure has. I mean, very little star power. I mean, a new head coach who's – bringing a physicalness and tenacity to this team, but they're really putting the first blocks of the house together here. I mean, there's there's no electricity or <laughs> let alone the pretty things. I mean, they're starting to really build the foundation. Most I of mean, the times that's a hole in the ground, right? It, yeah, oh, it's a hole in the ground, yeah. and there's some blocks. That's about it, you know, and they, they, they do play hard. They're very, very short on talent. I think it's telling that their first three draft picks were all – Big people, you know, I mean, on both sides of the line, but their skill guys, you know, at the wide receiver spot, the back seven of the defense, leave a lot to be desired. You mentioned Goff, and I know he was in the Super Bowl recently and was a first overall pick, but the reality is when they made that Stafford-Goff trade, the Rams had to add more to the deal for the Lions to take Goff. (laughs) So it kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, the Lions, uh, as I mentioned, 0-8, and, eight, and uh, yeah, they've had a couple of close ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been talking about that all week on the DVE Morning Show. I'm sure you've acknowledged it. Oh, that, sure. Uh, you know, the Ravens game, 19-17, to 17, it took a 66-yard buzzer-beating field goal that really the Ravens shouldn't have even been able to kick because there was a delay game penalty mm-hmm. that was completely missed. The Vikings beat the Lions 19-17 to 17 on a 54-yard buzzer-beating field goal. 
But that said, okay. Okay, right. Two and six doesn't exactly change the landscape. <laughs> exactly. Had right. those games gone the other way. Yeah, those were tough losses. But uh, Detroit, uh, a 33, uh, excuse me, a 41 to 33 loser in the opener on September the 12th against San Francisco. The Lions haven't scored 20 points since then. Right. I mean, the first week wasn't bad against a Niners team that was, eh, whatever, a middle of the road, I guess, when you look back at it. But boy, I mean, their average game, they lose by about 14 points. Uh, I think they've been outscored by 70 points over the last three weeks. I mean, it's getting worse. Yeah, it's, um, they're getting uh, a little bounce out of what they did in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago, back on October the 24th. Uh, that became a 28-19 to 19 loss. That was the game in which Detroit got the ball scored, mm-hmm. successfully executed an onside kick. Then when that drive broke down, the Lions successfully executed a fake punt. Yep. They, they pulled another fake Later punt in the, the game, third yeah. quarter. I mean, uh, an onside kick and two fake punts before it's even the fourth quarter, and yet they still lost by nine. Yeah, I mean, that, you never see that in an NFL game where you have three trick plays on special teams that work, let and then you lose pretty easily. I mean, the Rams controlled that game. Um, all that being said, and I know we're going to talk about this a lot with Merrill, a former player, that if I were the Steelers coaching staff, I would certainly pull out that that Lions-Rams tapes and just say, this is a desperate football team with nothing to lose coming off a bye. They're going to throw everything, the kitchen sink, the fridge, the microwave at you because why not? I would also pull out that Ravens game because that's a, a very common opponent, and I'm sure the Steelers go, wow, if the, if the Ravens could have lost that one, maybe we we could too. Or, hey, I would even pull out Bills-Jags from last week. I mean, Bills lost that game 9-6 to six to the team that had the first pick in the draft last year that's similar to the, 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 the Lions. And... I already know what Merrill's going to say. You know, you don't overlook it. <laughs> you know, we, we just, we, we've been doing this a while. You don't overlook any NFL opponent. And he's right. I mean, he's 100% right. But to your original point, this isn't like last week where you say, wow, Justin Fields could pull five under unbelievable plays out yeah. of it. You know, I mean, electric sure. athlete that can make something right. up. And- or what if Mooney gets behind him? Yeah. Or, you know, like they would kill for Darnell Mooney. And he's a good player. But I, I have a hard time scripting a loss in this game unless they lose a turnover battle by three or four and miss field goals and, you know, they just don't have playmakers. Yeah, Lions, uh, their most recent effort uh, was a 44-6 loss at home to Philadelphia on October the 31st. And I think that was was, their ring of honor day. They had a bunch of alumni back. It was a big day for Detroit. And 44-6 in an NFL game. And it's not like... You know, the Eagles are a tremendous football team either. They, they are just, not. They're far from it. They just ran and ran and ran with little resistance, and the Lions couldn't do much to do anything about it. And even that Eagles D is about the most vanilla zone defenses in the league. You'd think Goff should have some success with that. You know, they got they do have a very good running back in DeAndre Swift. They have a very good tight end in, in TJ Hawkinson. But they don't have perimeter threats whatsoever, and the line – has a chance to be good, and uh, the Steelers should be getting a, a healthier version of that line now, and that's where their foundation is being built. But they've had injuries up front too. I mean, it's rough, man. And again, back to Goff, I, I kind of feel like Goff is the definition of a fair weather quarterback, and I, I and I mean that in terms of 
first of all, when the weather's bad, he's bad. But that's not exactly what I mean. I mean, he really needs <laughs> conditions to be optimal. You know, I mean, the, like I said, the Rams gave away a lot to go from Goff to Stafford so they could attack the whole field. And Goff's really checking it down a lot now. I mean, it's discouraging. Yeah, I think he's got a good enough arm. Oh, he has ability. Uh, you know, right. Looks to me like when things break down, he breaks down. He's Very not. Much so. He's not the guy who's going to duck out of the pressure and mm-hmm. uh, flush to his left and then square his shoulders and throw it on a dime to the corner of the end zone no. the way Justin Fields did the other night. He's not going to beat you with his legs. Uh, the turnovers are really concerning. Yeah. Uh, six picks and four lost fumbles. Yeah. Against, right. Against eight touchdown passes. You can't. There's no big plays either. You can't have your right. quarterback losing that battle. No. Just, I mean, it's can't. different if it's a Mahomes or a Josh Allen that has all these great plays mixed in with some stinkers, but there's no high moments with Goff right now either. And even his Ram days, his best Ram days, that's when Gurley was really humming and that offense had taken the league by storm a little bit and ate a good line. And I think he's a backup. Yeah, you talk about uh, the lack of uh, dynamic players outside. Oh, it's you know, alarming. Kenny Galladay's long gone. Marvin Jones is long gone mm-hmm. at wide receiver. Danny Amendola is long gone. The Lions wide receivers caught three passes in that uh, 44-6 the loss. Game. Yeah, and the they Eagles. were losing the whole time. Three. Three. <laughs> right. I mean, it was 25 completions. Three of them went to a wide receiver. All three went to rookie Amon Ra St. Brown. And he might be fine. I mean, he's a slot guy uh, out of USC, a rookie. Uh, he's a fourth-round pick. Uh, but if he's your featured wideout, you know, Hawkinson's the featured receiver. And Swift, I think, actually leads the the, the all running backs in targets, even though he's had his, uh, his bye already. But their wideouts, I look at the Saints and the Lions wide receivers, and I bet a lot of people in their cars are listening right now can't name two of them. You know, I mean, they're not household names. They're not high pedigree guys. They're not older dudes that they recycled. I mean, they're below the line. Yeah, let's uh, let's name them since people probably can't. Uh, St. Brown's probably the best. We already mentioned uh, yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown. Trinity Benson. Geronimo Allison, these are the wide receivers. Khalif mm-hmm. Raymond, Kaderil Hodge, I remember him from Cleveland, and uh, Tom Kennedy. Yeah, and they actually picked up Josh Reynolds, former Ram, turned Titan, who the Titans cut yesterday. I don't know if he'll play in this game or not. I mean, he's probably the highest pedigree guy of the group. Yeah, I mean, it's rough. The targets are uh, T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end that you mentioned, 64 targets, 48 catches, leads the team in both of those, as well as receiving yards, mm-hmm. 448. Swift, the running back that you mentioned, 57 targets, 47 catches, 415 yards. I'm a big fan of a good tight end and a good running back if you have wide receivers. Even one wide receiver go a yeah. long way. And one it, NFL starting wide receiver. He doesn't have to be Calvin Johnson. You know, I mean, just somebody would go a long way. But if you're hanging your hat offensively on the tight end and the running back catching the ball. Well, it also says a lot about Goff. They're all short throws. You know, like, again, I think Hawkinson's a star. And I know we're going to have a lot of talk about Pat Fryermuth. I hope Pat Fryermuth turns into Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson's going to be one of the best tight ends in the league. But Hawkinson, I mean, here's just an example. He has the highest target share of his career. He's getting more percentage of balls thrown his way than ever, and he's coming into his own. But his average depth of target is way lower than it's ever been, and he's a tight end. You know, I mean, so they're always – I mean, here's a mind-boggling staff for you, too. They've never had the lead in the second half of a game. You know, like, 
I mean, that's that's hard to do. So a lot of these stats that are even sort of good are when they're losing by 20 in in the in, at the end of game and they're yeah. dumping it down to Hawkinson or Swift or things like Actually, that. Actually, they had a couple. They were leading Baltimore until the very end of the I game. I guess they were right at the very end. And with the same with one. Minnesota. A, a super high percentage of well, their production the, the, yeah, is first comes from the fourth is, – is in the fourth quarter, though. I mean, yeah. it, it's nuts. Uh, let's get to the uh, practice participation stuff, as we always do, to kick the show yeah, off. Yeah. And uh, some good news and some bad news for the Lions. And I guess when you're 0-8, you really can't afford to trade good news for bad news. But uh, Taylor Decker, their left tackle, first-round pick in 2016, he hasn't played yet this year. He was full for the second consecutive mm-hmm. day. He's just been activated off of IR. Looks like he gets to start at left tackle, which means they can move Penny Sewell to right tackle, which is what they intended all along. Yes, but it's a catch-22. Because <laughs> he gets T.J. Watt. Well, that too. That That's no prize for Penny Sewell. But here's how that worked. Like, they have a foundation of a really good line. Frank Ragnall is one of the best centers in the league. He's out. Yes. They Their guards are decent. Tech Decker is a, a good left tackle, and he has been. They draft Sewell, who's never played right tackle in his life. They shove him in at right tackle, and initially he struggles a great deal at right tackle. Didn't play football last year because he opted out. So Decker gets hurt. They move Sewell to left tackle, his natural position, and Sewell looks like an early pick. Well, now for his, you know, here's your, your prize for looking good. Decker's back, you're back to the right, and you get Watt on the road. You know, like, it's just, I mean, maybe it'll all work out in the end, but right now, it, it would. Sewell was doing just fine at left tackle, and now he's got to go back to right. Jamal Williams, uh, their leading rusher and the uh, other part of the two-headed monster at running back, he has not worked yet this week with a thigh injury. Don't know what's going on there, but that can't be good news because he's more the running running back than yeah, Swift. Yeah, yeah. Swift is the catching running back. Uh, Detroit's kicker, Austin Siebert, right hip, has been limited the last couple of days. Who knows about kicker injuries? For the Steelers, uh, no Ben Roethlisberger and no Chase Claypool today, although for the Steelers today, Thursday was Wednesday in the way they do things because they're on the quote-unquote short week. I mean, I guess it's – I mean, we all know Ben's banged up and he doesn't usually – uh, do anything on Wednesdays anyways, even though it's a Thursday and they play Sunday, but all that. I mean, they're, they're treated this like a Wednesday from what I understand, and yesterday was basically a walkthrough. Uh, it sounds like Claypool's the one to worry about, though, and that could have a trickle-down effect without Juju and, you know, what kind of skill guys are you putting out there? Yeah, Eric Ebron, uh, full practice today as he tries to get back after missing a couple games with that hamstring injury. Uh, he's a receiver. I would say that helps with the Claypool situation, yeah. really. Claypool's got moved the slot a lot since Juju's been back or been out, and Ebron can play the slot, basically. He's basically a big slot. Some of the guys that, uh, well, the Lions might not be winless, but didn't have so many guys on injured reserve, but they do, and they are. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Akuda, their best cornerback, former number one pick, out. Fourth pick in the draft last uh, year, right. Efetu Melifonwu out of Syracuse, third-round pick this year, out. Uh, we mentioned uh, Ragnow is back. From uh, IR, so that's a plus. Um, He's a good player. I'm yeah. sorry, uh, Decker is back. Yeah, say so Decker's back. I didn't think Rag, Rag now is still on IR. They're yeah. center. Um, it's it's a tough go all the way around in Detroit. It really and, is. You know, we mentioned the lack of uh, experience and dynamic guys at wide receiver. Let's flip it around to uh, cornerback. Uh, one of their starting corners with uh, Akuda out. Mm-hmm. 
Jerry Jacobs, uh, undrafted rookie from Arkansas, and their nickel, A.J. Parker, undrafted rookie from Kansas State. <laughs> That's where they're at, yeah. And, and these guys are not, like, recruited walk-ons. They're undrafted for a reason. They're right. I mean, they're don't-make-every-roster-in-the-league type guys, you know, and that's what they're down to. The pass rush doesn't make up for it. Um, Alex Anzalone leads the defense in snaps, I think, and he's wouldn't play for the Steelers. I mean, he's a line, an every-down linebacker that's kind of bounced around the league. You know, he was a mid-round pick. He's from the middle of the state here in PA, and he's easy to root for, but he shouldn't be on the field every snap, you know? Yeah, speaking of guys who don't make every roster, uh, one of their backup cornerbacks is Mark Gilbert, who was in camp with the Steelers. Oh, okay. And didn't make the Steelers. And didn't make Steelers, and they, and they got a spot for him. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, uh, not a good situation. And the record being what it is, uh, it's kind of hard to look past that. At least it is for me. Uh, I know Merrill is uh, going to tell us that that's a mistake. But, boy, it's been amazing uh, being on the south side this week, Matt, and doing the interviews and listening to one person after another, starting with Mike Tomlin on Tuesday, Talk about you can't take anything for granted. There's sure, no chumps sure. in the NFL, and everybody's dangerous, and everybody's getting paid. And, uh, you know, Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, today today was Keith Butler and Joe Schobert. Uh, I get the impression uh, if I was still allowed in the facility, which I'm not, <laughs> I might be walking down a hall, and if I ran into a player or coach, I would say hello, and their response would be, you know, you can't take Detroit lightly, even though they're 0-8. <laughs> right, right. I don't know if they're selling themselves or trying to sell. Uh, trying us. their best, I'm sure they're doing both. You know, yeah. and it's it's a hard sell. And that, yeah, that to me is the rub this That's week. That's a rub, right? Because of human nature, it, it, without question. I mean, I didn't think the Jags could beat the Bills. So I never thought that could happen. I didn't think that could happen. So I guess, I mean, do we think the Lions are going to be 0 and 17? They got I mean, a shot. I got a shot. Yeah, <laughs> but this could be the one if they get the one and 16 or two and 15. I guess it's just. They're good on special teams. You know, like your mom taught you, if you can't say something nice about something, someone don't say it at all. Well, they're pretty good on special teams. Yeah, my, <laughs> my mom didn't teach me that. No, that's not how it flies in Williamson household she either. She was we a say, pretty uh, we say plenty critical analyst. In the, <laughs> you know, B's should have been A's and, you know, that kind uh, of thing. So yeah, D's should have been C's. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, Bears game that the Steelers are coming off of okay. because it wasn't a uh, virtuoso performance. That doesn't bother me. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know? I don't have a problem with it either because I think a couple, three plays, and it would have been the kind of smooth sailing mm-hmm. that it was trending toward before Ray-Ray McLeod fumbled a punt, which that what was, was he unbelievably massive doing? Play. You're right, right. Um, and a couple of plays by Fields that I didn't think he was ready to make yet. I, th- I think we were both in agreement last week. This kid's going to be a player. Oh, yeah. I just didn't think it would be Monday night, but. He's turning the corner quickly. Good for him. His last two games are much better than like when the Browns played him early in his. And they sacked him nine times, and he had one yard passing that game. That game there, yeah, right. So, uh, people around here often are a little hesitant to give the opponents some credit. I mean, I think Hicks and Goldman in the middle of that defense were everything Kendrick Green and company could handle. Roquan's making some plays out there. Fields is an immense talent who's starting to find himself and they have some weapons and Montgomery played well. Is it the Steelers best game? No, but folks, that's how Steelers are going to win 
or lose every game. I mean, that that's their formula, too. Certainly most of them. And, you know, it's not going to be a, a Mozart virtuoso. I mean, it's just not the way this team is built. As amazing as, by the way, you used uh, Mozart correctly there. Did, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, yeah I was kind of on a limb. Bill Cowers listening to us thinking, huh? I thought that was like the painting you look at. Uh, <laughs> great drive at the end to win it. I mean, yeah, you yeah. fall behind. It would have been easy to uh, lose mm-hmm. it and uh, not function. I do think the, it's a tough a mentally tough football team. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with Roethlisberger and Tomlin. So, and Hayward uh, and some of the other veterans. And, you know, They got that going for them, which is nice. Which they is are, nice. Uh, they're finally uh, remembering that they drafted this kid out of Penn State on the second round, and they were really excited about that when they drafted him. And mm-hmm. they were really excited about him in the OTAs. And then in training camp, they were really excited about him. And lo and behold, the last three weeks, they're actually throwing him the ball, and he's catching touchdowns. He sure is. He looks fantastic. Um, I think he's a long-term answer. He's coming along way ahead of the curve as as tight ends that enter the league. You know, usually that's a slow process. I think he comes out of his breaks really well. He catches everything. He's got a big catching radius. Um, he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns in his career. Really handles contested situations well. Clearly Ben, uh, you know, Trust him already. I think he's a good on-the-move blocker and developing into a an inline guy. But that's still, you know, not that's not where he's at yet. You know, but that's it's coming. Yeah, the second touchdown reception in particular, uh, tough catch, kind of yeah. just using his size advantage to get over the cornerback. I think it was uh, twenty-two. Is it Vildor? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Fryer was talking about that afterward. Uh, just matter of fact. Uh, well, of course I should make that play. I'm I'm a tight end. I got the yeah. Got the size advantage on on that corner, and right. I'm sure some Penn State fans remember it. I mean that that's he did a lot of that at State College. So they got the rally, they got the W, they got the five and three after a one and three start. Uh, they are seemingly poised to be six and three, and then uh, it's going to get a little tougher. But uh, I got to tell you, Matt, I wasn't uh, anticipating six and three after one and three. No, not at all. I mean they're uh, again, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be a virtuoso. That's okay. I mean, don't expect it to be. And frankly, they got to play muddy games. They got to muck it up in the corners, and you know what I mean. <laughs> Get so, it deep. Yeah, grind. exactly. Get a bounce Cycle. here and there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what they got to do. And I think they understand that now. We'll see if they can do it again on Sunday. And uh, coming up next, we'll hear about uh, how tough it may or may not be. Matt and I did not paint. Uh, a pretty picture uh, regarding the Lions and their chances for victory. But uh, Merrill Hodge has got a great perspective on things, and uh, he does tend to see things the way someone who's actually played the game might see them (laughs) as opposed to the way we look at it. So uh, stick around for that. Merrill's coming up next with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers Preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until 8 o'clock tonight, breaking down Sunday's visit to Heinz Field by the Detroit Lions. That would be the 0-8 Detroit Lions. Time now to welcome the third member of our team to the show, as we do every week, Merrill Hodge. And Merrill, I uh, I got to admit something to you. Every time one of these games comes around, and they come around every once in a while, I, I hear your voice in the back of my head saying never underestimate a professional who's been embarrassed. And I hear that voice even before you speak with us tonight. I'm just not listening this time. <laughs> well, you better listen, Rocky. I'm going to tell you this. Um, <laughs> there's, probably, there's probably five games the Lions should have won. 
if it wasn't for like self-inflicted wounds, you know, I, I, I swear the lions might, I'll swear all 22 starters, they must have a grenade and each one of them decides which one's going to pull the pin. I mean, on every game, I mean, they do some of the, the most bizarre things mentally that just, you shake your head. I mean, the, the Raven game, I'm telling you this, that fourth down play, everybody is playing man, but one guy. And for whatever reason, he chooses to let the guy, he play. well, he kind of plays him man until he crosses the field and he lets him go like he's, uh, he's like they're, you know, they're swapping, but there's nobody to swap with. There's nobody over there. It's just, it, it, they do some, some crazy things. They, they play incredible football for a sh- extended period of time. And then they just implode, you know? Um, and it's happened about, you know, the Bengals really manhandled them and Philadelphia absolutely destroyed them. But aside from that, Every one of those games, they really had an opportunity to win. And it wasn't that the other team did something to beat them. They beat themselves. They did something dumb at the end, turned the ball over, made a mistake, and, and they lost it. And, you know, the one thing I'm going to tell you they, they're going to do, they have never deviated from. Now, some, some people have shut it down, like Cincinnati shut it down, Philly shut it down. I mean, they're going to run the ball at you. They're going to line up. they got two good backs and Swift and, and Williams, and, and they're going to come at you, man. Gonna, and they know they have to do that. If they do that, then they, they can stay in the game. If they can't do that, then they're really struggling because their passing game is limited, short, intermediate. There's not a lot of explosiveness to it. And Goff just will – he's going to miss a guy when, you know, he's, he's going to make that, that key miss or that mistake in scoring territory. He just – he did it in college. He was like that in college. That bothered me in college. But, and he's trans – you know, he does that in the NFL. That's kind of his – his big flaw, I'd say. I'm sure that's why they, one of the big reasons they they wanted to get rid of him in, in uh, L.A. Yeah, Merrill, you mentioned DeAndre Swift, and I certainly think when you look at individual players on this team, he's undoubtedly one of their bright spots. I mean, he's a really accomplished, explosive route runner, good vision. Yeah. You can see why he's a high pick. I mean, do tough you think to tackle. Tough to tackle. Yeah. I mean, do you think he's a star in the making? Yeah, actually, this year is the first time he's looked. You know, when he looks back up, his first year, remember he dropped that pass that would have been, would have. Yeah. Here's an example. Okay, he dropped that pass. I mean, he's wide open. You know what I mean? What's the odds of him dropping that pass? It's just like, you know, he, he'd probably catch a 99 out of 100 and end up dropping. And that, and I see then he got hurt. And, you know, that, that juice that he had coming out of college, you just didn't see it. And I, I think a little bit of Zach stung him. I think he got hurt. Now all that's back. I mean, he has he has some electricity to him that is electrifying. You know, he he has you know what he had in college, and you're, you're starting to see that now. Um, that's what I'm saying. You know, Ben when Williams is no joke either. You know, both of them will give you problems if you do not if you don't nip it in the bud early. You're going to have some problems. Well, the Steelers did a very good job in Cleveland against the run, and I thought they were credible yeah. against Chicago with the exception of getting surprised by the Wildcat a few times. I don't, I don't think that'll happen again. What's the, what's the fear that Detroit can establish the run and, and control the game that way and maybe play from ahead? Well, yeah. I mean, if they can do that, they can – you know, they, that's why, you know, I say it all the time. But it is, it is valid. I'm telling you, it's been valid for 100 years. Um, it's not just sporadic. I mean – 
when you can run the football and stop it, you control the tempo, you control the narrative, you dictate things. And that's what Detroit's trying to do. They're just trying to stay in the game with you. You know, they want to fist fight at the 50. Um, the difference or the problem they really have, they just don't have that consistent passing game to complement it. And their quarterback hasn't been consistent. You know, I got to talk about the Bengal game. Okay, great example. I mean, this is almost identical what happened in the first quarter. Bengals create a one-on-one matchup with their back, a rookie running back too, by the way. They line him up wide, they get a linebacker on him. Runs a stutter, go, fade, touchdown. Same quarter, no, next quarter, same scenario. Detroit's in the same position. They, they create a similar thing with their tight end out of the backfield on a linebacker, a wheel route. Wide open, he overthrows him. No touchdown. And, and that's ultimately, that's kind of who he is. Um, Goff and he'll do some things in the red zone that will be just you shake your head. It's like, what's he doing? You know, why, why, why does he make that throw? He's going to do that if you can keep him where they have to throw it a little more than they want to. Now, if they don't, then there's less chance of him doing that. That's what I'm saying. If you neutralize that, you're going to put the burden on an area that's not their strength and you'll expose him. You'll get your chances. If you can't put him there, then he's not going to give you as many chances. And then they have they have a much better chance, you know, of, of, of winning if they do that. Merrill, the Steelers are working on a short week. They don't see this team often at all, of course. It's a brand-new, aggressive head coach in Detroit. Uh, they've mm-hmm. shown, you know, a, a history already of they'll throw anything at you. They have two weeks to prepare. Um, they have nothing to lose. I mean, to me – that's what makes them dangerous. It's not necessarily the players. Sure. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. I mean, they are, they will be willing to do anything, you know, like they did when they went to play LA, you know, onside kick. I think they ran a fight punt two or two or two of them. Yeah. 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 So they do a bunch of bizarre things. And I think they get them all too, if I remember right. They did. You yep. know, um, but I don't think they turned them all into points. If that was, you know, that's kind of like, it, unfortunately their MO, you know, um, now, that being said, yes, you have to be aware and alert of all those. But I'll tell you what the positive is. They're not much different than Chicago that you just play. They're just less explosive. Yeah. And they don't have a dynamic quarterback. At the end of the day, that's who they are. Like, we just played them. Um, their quarterback, though, is not as explosive, and we don't have to worry about him killing us with his legs. So, you know, that, if that was, the, you know, that's, that's the advantage that you have. You know, um, defensively now, you know, they've been, um, you know, their, their first few weeks, I'm telling you, they were a train wreck. You watch them blitz. I mean, they run into each other. It was like uh, the bad news bears. I swear to you. I was like, well, these guys are just so out of sync. Now, they have since gotten better. But they still do some things on the back end that, you know, okay, Cooper Cup. Okay, I guarantee you this. Everybody, when you go play the Rams, you better take care of Cooper Cup. Shoot first one out of the box, he runs wide open. <laughs> similar thing to similar, I swear to you, the similar thing to happen in the Raven game. It looked like they were just doing this bracket coverage, which leads me to if I'm the Steelers, I'm doing those type of concepts because they they bust them. They busted him in a lot of games. You know, you start a wide receiver, let's say on the right, and you work him across the field, and they lose them. They just they they make that mistake. You think like thirty seven yard completion, like the first play that came, that you know they like, threw the ball or second first drive. I know it was in the first drive. I'm like, what in the heck are they doing? 
you know, and then they let them right back in it because I think they'd had like 10 points, you know, off all those things. And, you know, they score fairly quickly. And you're like, yeah, all your work just kind of went to naught because you gave up one explosive play. Um, so, um, but they do some, they, they are better at blitzing now. They do, they do, they're better up front than they were like in the first month of the season. But they keep doing those little mistakes that, that hurt them on the back end that you got to challenge. Romero, back to Goff real quick. You know, Mike and I were talking about in the first segment, things really need to be optimal for him, and he doesn't have anything resembling field second reaction abilities. I mean, is is that what you see with him too? Yeah, you know, there's they have no explosive. You know, they're, they're, their passing game is pretty limited. You know, that is the one thing. He's not going to threaten you um, outside the numbers and vertically. You know, you know, he can't sleep on that. Anybody can have a day, and he can still make those throws. He just doesn't do them consistent enough. You know, if you're going to sit there and say, we're going to take away the strength of this team and see if he can be this, I mean, that's a pretty good gamble. There's not a lot of evidence that said that would be otherwise. You shut their game down and say, listen, you got to be us over the top. I mean, I'm telling you this. I'll, I'll put my money on whoever is doing that and can do that is going to win against him. Um, and he just does – he does that one or two things a game that I'm in our head shakers, you know, or he misses the matchup they created. You know, we worked the entire, you know, half of the game to get that one shot, and he misses it. Um, nothing coaches so, like less than that. Say that again? There's nothing coaches hate more than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to have to deal with, you know, while you're – well, you're trying to build a winning organization, you know, a winning program, which they're trying to do in Detroit, obviously. Um, but once you once you get that reputation and the evidence is strong, you know, you have to overcome that. And the only way you overcome that is by stinging people for playing you like that. But he's not been able to do that. You know, he just really hasn't. I mean, and every time I think he's about to do it, bam, he does something you like. I can't remember who it was he, they had. And this, these routes were not very good. They, they just, like these quick skinny posts. I forget who they were playing. They had the, the gosh dang lead. Actually, it might have been the Rams. And he throws it in there. He has no business throwing it in there. Second down, too, keep in mind. It's not like it's fourth and, you know, and the game's over. And, you know, and Aaron Donald is the only time he makes a factor. And yes, it was. It was the Rams. And he, he has no business making that throw. Just eat it. Eat it, you know, we, we got third down and we can, you know, at least three points better than turnover, a pick, to a pick. You know, I was like, God, that's it. you know, that's the end of that game. So it's just, it's, it's very, it's, he's very interesting. You know, it's, um, he was like this at Cal, you know, everybody raved about his bowl game he had, right? So I remember when I studied him, I get to the bowl game, I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, well, of course. A blind man would have thrown, could have thrown as many yards as he. The guys were wide open, people weren't covered. I'm like, well, that's not the NFL. You know, realistically, that is not happening in the National Football League. If he plays 20 years, he ain't gonna have that many open guys and busted coverages in a career in the National Football League. In a bowl game, it can happen. And you know, you just, I think people really ignored what he he just missed throws he missed critical moments and he was he did it consistently that was consistent those big games were not consistent and it's evident in this league you know it's very evident in this league it's a it's a flaw you know and um um you know you, you're right it is a short week but you do have a team that you, you it's almost what you just played but it's less dangerous offensively 
Merrill, let's flip it around uh, to the Steelers. You know, we've been doing this show all year long, and uh, I'm not sure I was on this bandwagon going into the Buffalo game, but shortly thereafter, I started noticing each week what I thought were favorable matchups with Pat Fryermuth, and it took him a while to get there, but the last three weeks, he's been heavily targeted, three touchdowns in the last two weeks. Uh, why did it take so long, and do you see this as something that, uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to score more often than he doesn't in the last uh, nine games? Yeah, well, you know what you got going right now too is you got a guy who has some real. You could see it. He plays. He's got some confidence. There's, you know, that's hard to. You know, that's that's great when you see a young player who has some confidence and had. I remember he was coming out of Penn State. and I'm watching him. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I thought he was a good route runner. However, I'm like, there is so much growth there that he could. Be, he will be so much better. There's just some players that you see that some are hard. You're like, God, I can't tell if he has a chance to get better from that, but you could tell the prior me did. And I loved how he played in the box. I loved how he, you know, he put his nose in there. And he, I mean, he, he looked up people when he ran to, you know, he wanted to try to get out of bounds. I, I mean, I just, I loved the way he played. Um, and, you know, going back to some of Detroit's issues is matchup problems, you know, and I think him and Najee could create some, you know, the, the, um, I talked about the back end, but they do have matchup problems and covering guys. And, I think Fryermuth could be a big guy that they use to create some matchups. Why not? I mean, you know, and you can control the hash, start now creating bigger opportunities with your receivers outside the perimeter and over the top. Um, and Najee could be a problem. But, you know, he kind of is every week, but I mean, that designed problem. You know, I think those guys could be pretty good, pretty could be designed problems. You know, and then it goes back to that stuff we talked about that they have, they just have a, a mistake here and there mentally about coverages and those are those explosive plays you could get off of that, especially if you get Fryermuth going and Najee going. Yeah, Fryermuth to me, even compared to his Penn State tape, he gets out of his breaks better than I saw on tape. You know, like he, he gets out of his breaks like a smaller man. And do you yeah. also agree, Merrill, that you mentioned Najee? I think he's just scratching the surface of a route runner and a weapon in the passing game. Wow. Well, see, that was a big mistake. You know, everybody was like, you know, going, he's not, he's not Le'Veon Bell. Well, I want to say, okay, really, Captain Obvious. I mean, what kind of evaluation <laughs> is a guy coming out of college and a guy's played in the league for eight years? I mean, you saw Le'Veon Bell coming out of college. He wasn't like Najee. Not even close when he no. came out of Michigan State. Not even close. You think you didn't have any evidence that he was going to be? Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't runner. the route runner that he that he became in the pros. Not close. Right, yeah. right. And so I'm like, I'm like, well, why are you sitting there making a comparison to a guy who's already eight years? And like, compare to compare him to his rookie year. Those apples to apples. Najee's head and shoulders uh, above where um, Le'Veon was. Head and shoulders above where. And I, yeah, I completely agree with that. He has um, both of the guys, and you're right with um, the tight end for our views, I. You know, I, that's I said. I thought he was a good route runner, but I'm like, he can be so. He'll be so much better mm-hmm. as he develops. And when he gets a chance to really develop, he will be dynamic. You know, um, because the kid, you know, in Florida was was really still in the highlight like nobody else um, was like him. I'm not saying Prime Music is like him as a route runner. He ain't that far off. In fact, he's he's more he's more complete. I can play him everywhere. I can put him in the box. I'm take him out of the box. I'd rather have a guy like that in the National Football League than just a guy who plays on the perimeter. Because there's nothing that devastates your game more than when your tight end decides he does he's not going to block. Which is I, I mean saw it a I lot mean, last year around here. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I just that's just that's just. I mean, I mean, if you're going to be a tight end and you're not going to block, uh, I got nothing for you, man. I just don't. You know, you, you do is I don't even know how you how you game plan anything with a tight end like that. But with Fryermuth, you don't have to worry about that. He's going to go double team people and block people and fight them. I mean, I guess all I can ask for a guy, you know, you're willing participant. Let's. And can you get better at that too? And make sure you're a complete tight end when we're done here. And he, which he has a shot to do that. He really does. You, you got it. I mean, he's a special guy. Merrill, a couple big play issues on defense. I still think they're pretty good defensively. Yeah. But what do they have to clean up, or is it uh, is it a is it a ability problem more than an execution problem? But you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I wished. Um, you know, when they they ran that big fade route. Um, Gosh dang it, 35, I forget, I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, you know, it was interesting. He walks over and talks to Fitzpatrick real quick. They were playing this robber coverage more than you see. Like, robber coverage is like when a safety, which um, – Arthur Malice, the guy you're, yeah. you're trying to think yes, of. Yes, there we go, Arthur, Arthur, there we go. So, um, for, um, Fitzpatrick, they actually played it quite a bit, which I kind of understand why, because, look, I remember Tom Brady getting fooled by it in the AFC Championship game. It ended in the game. On them. And they'd never played it. Shoot, the Colts hadn't played it all year. I hadn't seen it all year. And they pull it out on that play. Uh, it's just hard. Like, if you have two deep safeties and they're playing man underneath, you know, they keep doing that. It's easy for a quarterback to go to go to sleep and not account for when those safeties drop in the box, especially if he's working to the right initially and he comes from the left. Shoot, shoot he doesn't even see him. Any drops right in when you go to throw it. Um, they were playing a lot of that robber coverage. More than I have seen any team play it. For the Steelers this year, they're playing it, and it's probably because of, you know, the the young youngness of um, of Fields. Um, but before that big play, they went. He went over to talk to him, and Fitzpatrick was playing inside and playing like robber coverage. And ultimately, that's what you want to do. You want to funnel everybody to him because he's reading the quarterback, so he's just going to react to where the quarterback is. So you're going to get help. And he played inside and wouldn't let him inside, but he. Which was kind of crazy because I'm like, man, you're just giving him all this. Because they ran a smash on the outside. They are like, yeah, you're making this easy on him. This is like, you're just saying, go get it. It's weird. I was like, you know, I I don't know if there was just just a miscommunication, you know, which, A, you know, I I think that was. You'd rather have that than, you know, the guy just can't cover. He can cover. You just, it's hard to cover that, though, when you're, you're doing that. You've got to have. I mean, you got to really be on your toes if you're going to give something up like that, though, you know, based on his alignment. I was like, wow. So, I mean, those things that you can clean up is what I'm getting at. Um, I don't know what that conversation was, though, because that might explain everything. And there was just a misunderstanding. And, you know, that's why that happened, which you would like it to be because those are fixable. Um, but they did have some bust. You know, they had some some mistakes and gave up some easy – you know, and I, they might have really um, – might have been a situation with – the Bears, actually, I give them a lot of credit. They're doing, actually, do you remember how Steve McNair was developed? I mean, you know, this is probably forgotten, but Steve McNair was developed kind of like they're doing with Fields and Mac Jones. It was heavy run, and it was half-field reads, run action. And they. And I'm telling you what, they held the course to that, um, Jeff Fish when he was there. They stayed the course. They didn't deviate from that for a couple of years. And Steve McNair sat for a year, too, before he came out. Well, that, that, that evolution – and that development and that plan, you know, developed him into being an NFL MVP. But, I mean, 
that's an arduous process, and you got to be committed to that. you got to stay with it regardless. And the Bears actually have done that to the point. And I, I think maybe the Steelers, too, kind of felt like – Getting those points, let's see if he can, you know. they He hadn't really done. Oh, yeah, they dared, him, they dared him to throw deep, and he did a couple yeah. times. Yeah. And, he, and yeah. he hadn't done it. I'd have done, and, I'd have done the same thing based on their run game versus their pass game. Um, amen. Amen. For, so, you know, you, you can't follow. You can't follow. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sitting there faulting, going, oh, that was dumb. Well, yeah, sure, it's, it's stupid after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, if everybody was that brilliant, well, then we'd all be coaching. Yeah. I'll give you the answer to that. Merrill. Yeah. Great stuff as always. Let's do it again next week, man. I can't wait, brother. Go Steelers, boys. Have a good night. Merrill Hodge uh, making his usual appearance, and I kind of knew where he was going to go just from getting to know him as I do over the years. Yeah, he nailed it. He didn't sell me. No. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm not sold either. But uh, if they can run the ball and stick around and the line controls things and they get a bounce, and uh, I still can't sell myself. No. Uh, one more segment to go. We'll put a bow on it when we come back. So uh, keep it here with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to the Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers Preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson ready to finish things off. And uh, respectfully, Matt, I uh, I acknowledge Merrill's point about controlling the game with the ground game. Sure. If Detroit can run the ball and, and play from ahead and not be stressed at all, uh, yeah, the Lions could win. It, it is the NFL. It's possible. Nothing is uh, an absolute, but I don't see this team at this time coming in here and being able to do that. I think they put any kind of pressure on Jared Goff and it starts tilting the other way and it keeps tilting that way. Yeah, and – Boy, they have two talented offensive tackles, but those guys are going to have to play a whale of a game. And as Merrill mentioned, as we talked about the first segment, Goff isn't going to try the the big plays either. I mean, he's very content just to dump it down and, you know, get out with the easy play. And then he makes the, the errors like the Merrill mentioned regularly. I mean, if he has his best day, sure. And But a lot of it's going to be determined in the first quarter. If the – Steelers can get a lead. I think they'll run all over this team. We didn't even talk about the the, the Lions defense very much, but it's other than the it's horrible. undrafted rookies playing starting corner <laughs> right, and, right. and nickel. Yeah, uh, I mean the amount of and the guy in the middle uh, Anzalone who's uh, wouldn't be playing for the Steelers. Right, right. Yeah, I mean their run defense is bad. I mean they allow a lot more rushing yards than they produce week after week. I don't know how they keep up like that. So uh, we got two minutes left here. Okay. If if the Steelers can put one together, and that's a pretty big if too. Yeah, I mean they, I don't expect them to be. They've flawless. kind of shown us who they are, but l- let's say they come out clicking and they mm-hmm. take advantage of an overmatched opponent and really put it put, to them. Put it to them. Does yeah. that give you a little more bounce than just one win, or is this such a week to week league that it it wouldn't matter? I guess a little. But I've been kind of looking at this as a quote unquote get right game for the Steelers. Well, that's. It's amazing we say that after a four-game winning streak. You know, I mean, I know it's it not is. the most <laughs> impressive winning streak in the history of the league, but yeah. and it won't be if it gets to five either. You know, but and it is going to get tougher. It's going to get tougher. Uh, deep down, I don't think the Steelers are a contender, but I think they're in a really good spot right now. And yeah, I probably won't change my mind next Thursday when we get together, even if they put the screws to the Lions. That's that's uh, that about sums it up. Uh, I'm with you. That's going to do it for us. Tonight, uh, I want to thank Merrill for joining us, as he always does. Uh, remind everyone that uh, we do this every Thursday right here on your Steelers flagship. Uh, that, of course, uh, 
Thursday games notwithstanding, we uh, we work around uh, what we have to work around. But uh, we are uh, working to generate enthusiasm for this game <laughs> and uh, adamant that we will be enthusiastic again next week. Until until then, for shirtless Tom behind the glass who keeps us on the air and flowing. Uh, for Merrill Hodge and for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. want to thank you for finding us, however and wherever you found us. Until next week, you've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everybody.